Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. And hello and welcome to the Divorce Course Podcast with your host, Mum and me. <laughs> Mum and me. Mum and me. Mum and me, as Mom we mentioned me. in the of the intro, you know, Lynn's got 35 years experience in family law and we thought that the whole reason actually why mum and I decided to start this podcast was to help women and men who are stuck in domestic violence. And, you know, this episode is really important to both of us in, in a way where mum has seen so many people over her 35 years and she wants to help as many people as possible. And I think it, it, through doing a podcast and an episode, it can be out there for anyone to listen to and help basically. Is that right, mum? Is that how you feel? Yeah, that is exactly how I feel. So that uh, when I retire to be the world's best raiser of chickens <laughs> or, or, or chutney cook or whatever it is I end up doing, uh, I still um, I know that the message and my experiences are kind of not wasted. I don't know if that sounds very braggy, but um, I think over all of the years um, I've been doing this and talking to people, uh, I seem to seem to be saying similar things to everyone and they seem to have the same worries and concerns and they don't those answers to their worries and concerns don't seem to be anywhere on google or you know and they're not going to be found talking to your neighbor you really need to talk to someone who knows what they're doing so i'm happy to do this yeah Awesome. So what I thought we'd do is I'm going to um, shoot you some questions and we're going to cover um, a lot of the frequently asked questions, but also um, talk through the process. So if someone uh, you know that if you're listening to this, if there's someone you know who's struggling at the moment or if yourself is struggling, um, we can talk you through the stages and process that it would take to, you know, get through this uh, safely um, and so that you can get the help that you need. So basically, I'm going to completely put you on the spot, Mum, but, you know, let's just quickly define what domestic violence is. Hmm. Okay, so legally. Legally. Well, it's defined in number, in different bits of legislation around Australia, but family violence is, it's really called family violence these days and it's not just uh, if someone hits you. Okay, it's not just if your partner or someone in your family hits you. It's uh, verbal, it's psychological abuse, it's emotional abuse, it's financial abuse, it's cutting you off from family and friends, hurting your pet, threatening to hurt your pet, uh, looking through your emails, ringing up all the time to see where you've been or where when you're coming home, just any sort of... Uh, so it's it's a it's physical violence, it's emotional abuse, and it's uh, a manipulative and controlling violence. Those are the three real categories. 
Okay. And and in our podcast episodes, we've discussed the different types of divorces you can have. And one of the types of divorces is uh, dealing with the ma- manipulative controlling kind of part of your relationship, which makes getting divorced a little bit more tricky. Um, and that's, you know, that's important to highlight. Uh, basically, uh, what the Queensland government has outlined pretty much what mum said anyway, but um, emotional abuse, so criticising you personally, how you look or how you're parenting, um, verbal abuse, yelling, shouting, swearing at you, stalking you, harassing you, uh, financial abuse, not letting you have enough money, basically controlling all the money, um, physical obviously, which is, you know, that's the one that everyone knows, but there are other sides to domestic violence that some people might not realise until they're out of the situation damaging property to frighten you so just punching something in the wall or banging like to scare you social abuse so not letting you see your friends or family isolating you from people that you care about or care about you Uh, spiritual abuse forcing you to go to religious activities stopping you from going to religious activities obviously also sexual abuse forcing you or coercing you to have relations that just because you're married to someone or they're your partner does not mean you have to agree uh, to do anything with them unless you agree yourself um, and depriving you of the necessities of life such as food or shelter or medical care. So that's what's outlined uh, by the Queensland government as domestic violence. And, you know, it's, it's some people and I've heard people say, well, why did that person stay in that relationship Ooh, for ten years? No. What? Why did? Why did they stay for so long? Um, and and it's really hard for people to understand that sometimes when you're in this, you might not realize that it's happening uh, until you're out. So that's what I've been told from my from my friends who have been through this. Um, is that oh, you know what you think? Absolutely, Laura. Um, most people are when people come to me and talk to me about their situation, uh, they. Would some people will say, "Oh no, there's been no violence. She's never hit me. He's never hit me." But when you just when they describe what's happening, then you, they know it's violent. It is family violence, and they they realise it. The number of people who have that revelation in my office, do you know? And it's not that we're talking mm-hmm. about normal things. These are usually quite um, intense controlling behaviours that, and a lot of people these days that uh, they know not to hit you. They know not to hit you, but all of the rest of it is unseen. And you know what? Mm. People who are the victims of of manipulative or controlling violence um, or psychological abuse, they won't tell other people because on the outside usually everything looks fine and and usually Mm. the person who's being controlled or manipulated originally let that happen because they loved the other person. And so Mm. it's it's um it's not like you fall out of love usually in that situation. Uh, it's just that the controlling becomes untenable, and and the, I did something yes. wrong. So I, I really anyone out there who's listening to this and and identifies with things like not being allowed to go to see your mum, not being allowed to go to choir, uh, not being allowed to I don't know um, have your hair cut a certain way. That that's not okay. Uh, you're an individual and you need to be. Um, allowed to be free and no one has the right to control you question is though laura is um the hard thing is after you recognize it is how to how to get out of it yes and that that is 
That's the hard bit. And obviously, this is a, a, a divorce course podcast and it's a legal podcast. So obviously, for the psychological side of things, if you if you feel like you need more help, um, go and uh, check out some of the amazing uh, podcasts that are out there for people, um, victims of domestic violence, um, and, you know, or talk to some of the helplines that are available that we'll put in our show notes. But really, when it comes down to it, we're here to help people in a legal capacity because that we feel like that's missing at the moment and I think you're right getting yourself out of it um, physically is is important and you have to do it safely Uh, and we've discussed before if you feel like you're in a manipulative and controlling relationship do not tell your partner that you're leaving until you've made your exit plans until you've collated all the things that you need and then uh, get out before um and obviously create a safety plan uh with with the professionals so that you can um be safe and obviously there are we put an we'll put a list of how to stay safe um and how to keep yourself uh, out of harm's reach once you do leave Um, but we really need to to touch on really the the legal side so um things that uh obviously if you're leaving your partner whether it's domestic violence or family violence that's there or not, you're probably going to want a divorce and a property settlement and custody issues. Uh, however, there is that extra element that is on top of everything that we always, or we've been talking through all our episodes, and that is basically you've got to do all of that and stay safe. And one of the ways you can stay safe is getting a domestic violence order. Is that the right word, Mum? Yeah, yep. Yes, in some states it's called an apprehended violence order. Okay. But you could ask for a domestic violence order um, in extreme situations. Uh, if the police have been called out, um, they will sometimes bring a domestic violence order uh, application and get a uh, personal protection order. Um, sometimes the person who needs protecting doesn't want that because they are still in the relationship with the person. Um, but, you know, the police can do that. Otherwise, you can personally apply at a magistrate's court. I know that's the process in Queensland. I think that's also the same in other states okay, uh, so that you go in if you're in a form. Before we talk about the applying, so what is a domestic violence order or an apprehension? Okay. What is it? Okay, so it, it's a document uh, that's an order ordering the other person to be of good behaviour towards you and not commit domestic violence. Uh, sometimes it will include orders about who can stay in the house or who can't stay in the house. If you're in the house with a person like that and the court makes the order, the court may, on request, make an order that that person has to leave the house within so many hours and not come back to the house. Um, Orders sometimes can include how many within how many metres they can come to you. Uh, Certainly in Queensland, they have to give up any weapons they've got. Um, right. and they're not allowed to hold the weapons licence. So so those orders then, if the police have you on a on a list, shall we say, and a call to the police about, um, you know, if you say such and such is coming near me again and that's in breach of the order, they will deal with that person. And the consequences in Queensland include um, uh, all sorts of things like community service of fine and leading up to imprisonment for repeated or, or serious breaches of the domestic violence order, imprisonment for the other person. Okay. You know, um, Laura, Yeah. can I just say one thing? Sometimes, sometimes uh, the violence is so bad or the person who's doing the violence um, is 
a, such a personality that sometimes getting a domestic violence order, which is after all only a piece of paper, will just make them madder. Um, in cases like that, we don't recommend usually getting a domestic violence order uh, until you're completely off the scene and, and unable to be found. So you, every lady, usually the women, um, every every woman listening to this has to make. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, everyone has to make that decision and know that, you know, that, that obviously. They know their own. Yeah, it's going to, um, of course, any anybody who has been served with the domestic violence order is going to be upset and angry, um, you know, it, it, and obviously talk to the domestic violence services that are available. But that's that's an interesting point that, you know, not many people mention um, is that, yes, the potential that it can, the problems it can cause can sometimes be more problematic than this, you know, what you're hoping it's going to achieve. Um, but that's something that, you know, you, you need to take on board and, and deal with, and and talk to your friends and your your lawyers and your psychologists and helpers to decide that because um, a lot of people will be too afraid to do it at all. Um, and it's important to know that you know that it is it is helpful, but it is a piece of paper. And if you think your partner would just do it anyway and uh, not care, then you know. Is it helpful? I don't know. I'm of a different opinion to mum. I'm not sure. But I guess, like you said, if if you think it's really dangerous, then it's best to get safe first and then apply for one. Yeah. Look, I, I've had matters over the years um, where the question that I ask my ladies usually is, is your partner the sort of person who normally obeys the law? Are they someone who, you know, generally doesn't get a speeding ticket and isn't sort of anti-authority? Uh, that sort of person, a, a, a domestic violence order is fantastic. Uh, they will often pull them up in in their behaviours, and I've had men ring me and go, "Oh, I didn't realise that she felt that way. I didn't realise what I was doing was family violence, and I'm mortified now, and I absolutely will stop." So that's one sort of person, but. If you've got a partner, his, his, it's a generalisation and every lady out there, you know your partner, you know what you're dealing with. We're all scared because you've been the victim of violence, so you'll be scared, of course, but the question is the degree to which um, an order will work and, and there are those very high-level people who don't follow the rules, who don't have respect for the law, who, who are, they're the ones for whom the obtaining of a domestic violence order and having it served on them is going to make them go ballistic. So uh, I don't, I don't. Laura and I, we don't say to everyone you have to get an order, do we, Laura? We just say, look, you search your heart, talk to your friends. I know if you've come out of a controlling relationship, you might not have close friends, and you or your friends might have all been approached already by your ex partner before you get to them, and and. A manipulative, controlling partner will probably get to your parents before you tell them that the relationship's over. So you're going to be short of people to bounce this off, mm. okay? Mm. Um, and and so you need to try to be dispassionate. Ring up your counsellors, ring Lifeline, get an objective view on this. Um, and, and and that's not saying right. because you if you do decide not to go down that road and get a DVO does not mean that if you called the police 
that they wouldn't turn up. So, you know, the police are still going to turn up. And that really is the process anyway. If you do have a domestic violence order and your ex does something that breaches it, you still, which means they don't follow the rules that the judge made, you, you still have to call the police anyway. Um, the difference mm. is that the consequences um, can sometimes be a little bit more harsher, um, but it really does even then come down to whether you've got proof that it happened, et cetera, et cetera, but we'll talk about that a bit further. But that's an important point. Thank you, Mum, for mm. pointing that out because not many people do mention that, but it is important to note and it's sad that that is a situation for some people, but reality yeah. sometimes, you know, it's there. But um, yeah. So we've talked about what a DVO is. The next uh, mm. thing... Um, We'll, we'll talk about how to get one and, and you said it's pretty basic. You you basically, you can walk in. Is it the magistrate's court? Magistrate's court, magistrate's yes. Court. Um, they'll have the forms. If you really know nothing and you just need to get, get a, a, an application in, the people behind the counter mm-hmm. are very aware. They're all up to date with what you need to do. They'll give you the form. They're very kind. They sometimes have domestic violence counsellors mm-hmm. around um, and I know in Queensland now we have dedicated domestic violence judges, God bless them, um, and they uh, are very um, aware and very, uh, shall we say, clever at working out if there needs to be an immediate interim one issued or if it can, if it's safe to leave it for a little while. So let's just, uh, you know, so have the final hearing. So if 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 you go in, walk into the magistrate's court and you take yeah. a ticket, you get your form that they've got, I think, in the pockets or you ask for one Uh, you try and fill it in if you can't fill it in you you ask the people to help you because you've got the ticket you file it in if it's really bad if they think you need it urgently you'll have what you just said an interim so the judge will give you something in the meantime is that called sometimes sometimes they can do that if if it's so that's called a protection a temporary protection order is that right Yes, it's, it's a temporary. Uh, well, it's a temporary protection order, um, and usually issued without the other person being served with the documents, so that by the time they find out there's an order being made, um, you've already uh, you've already got your order, and so you're you're protected by that order, and the consequences will flow. Great. So, um, and then they usually have a date in a few weeks to come back to court, where they will be able to come and have their say you know, and okay. see like. Yeah. And so then they have the option, don't they, of either just accepting it yep, or fighting it? Or pretty well. A lot of people will say, look, I don't accept that what I did, what, what you say happened, happened, but I'm not wanting to cause you any more stress or I'm not going to be going around your place anyway. So, hey, I'll just consent to the order without admitting anything right so consent without admission uh, or they might just say look um, I want to go to trial on this <clears throat> and uh, I don't want to have this domestic this temporary order over my head while we wait for our hearing date and then the judge has to decide whether to leave the temporary order in place or not and then the third option is where uh, there's no temporary order made um, and the parties just go straight for a final hearing, I guess, right. which the court tries to do fairly quickly. Okay. Uh, when we mentioned before, Laura, I just wanted to go back there. You're saying that the process is the same. You know, we talked about if you don't have a DV order. Yes. Um, yes. So if, if you don't 
get a DV order and something happens and the police have to be called, that's a situation where they will probably get the domestic violence order for you, even though you don't want it. They'll get a personal protection notice. Uh, some people, for some people, that's a safer way for the woman because she didn't do it. The police did it, mm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's then that way, you know, if the police go, look, you need it and I'm going to do it whether you want it or not, they can do that. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And then, and, and sometimes the person who's hurt you can see you arguing and saying, no, no, I don't want it. No, no. So they can understand it's not you. Well, that's good. That's a good way mm. around it. That's, mm. yeah. Um, okay. So, so they've filed, they've protected, uh, they've pop, either got a temporary one or not got a temporary one. And then what about uh, children? Okay. The court's got to consider, yeah, if there's kids, uh, the court's got to consider, even if you don't ask the, um, in Queensland anyway, um, whether those children should be named on the order. So uh, another aspect of family violence, this involves the kids, is associated family violence where the kids might have witnessed something or they might have heard something going on or they've been there when the police have come or they've helped clean up after someone smashed that cup or punched a hole in the wall or, or whatever. Uh, those children have been traumatised and the court has to consider um including them in the order. Now, they just go in as named persons, right, mm. uh, and and not just the kids too. Some people's, like their per parents are vulnerable as well, the, um, you know, older parents. So there can be all the new, if there's a new partner. So anyone who is uh, needs to be protected can be named in your application and then it's up to you to persuade the court that they need that protection. Uh, and that can also be the address where your parents live can also be listed as one of the places that the person can't go to or even your work. But, yes, so kids. Or the school. If you don't, or the school, yeah. yep. So with kids, if you don't ask, the court still has to consider whether it's necessary or not. Okay, that's good. So, yeah. Okay. All right, so um, is this is another important thing, that the domestic violence order um is not done in the family court, correct? That's right. Yes, it's a state government thing. Okay. Um, it's, a sh it's a shame really in, in a lot of ways because every state has slightly different rules mm. and different legislation, uh, but they do now have international rec uh, national recognition. So if you've got an order made in Queensland and you move over the border to Tenterfield in New South Wales, for instance, um, that order is recognised in all of the states. Okay. So it'll be okay in New South Wales. Um, so it's it's difficult. Um, it is difficult navigating the family court with domestic violence orders um, that are being done in the magistrates court because uh, domestic because domestic violence features in the family laws family court's consideration. Like that, if there's been domestic violence, that impacts how much time the court family court might order that the kids have with that person. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's. Everyone recognises that there have been a lot of discussions about the um, double expense for people, the double trauma for people, and just this kind of clunkiness of having state governments running their DV side and then 
and the family court needing to know about it, but usually only being told about it by the parties. So, okay. So I don't know where that will go, but I think um, we're heading for a more homogenised, more unified system okay. for family for domestic violence. I hope so. I hope in uh, in a year or so we'll have to do another podcast about their amazing new changes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, yeah. so you don't go to the family court for. The- your DP, no. you walk to the magistrate's court for your trial. Um, if you are going there, obviously you know that your partner or your ex-partner is going to be there as well. So that can be a really scary thing. What kind of things does the court have in place so that you know you're going to be okay yep. when you're there? So, um, yep. uh, one thing with the mag courts, magistrate's courts is, of course, there's so many of them. So, uh, you know, they're in your local areas. So when you turn up to your magistrate's court hearing, uh, it's a good idea to go particularly early if you're nervous. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are usually domestic violence um, volunteers around who will will, um, find out who you are, where your case is, and then take you to a safe room if you need to be in a safe room. Uh, Then um, And then the court has a process where they will... Uh, hold uh, the if there's severe domestic violence. Once the order's made, they have a way of delaying the perpetrator, shall we say, um, in the court precincts so that you can get out of the court and get get on your way home. Uh, similarly, in the family courts, if if there's a violent situation, even if there's not a DV domestic violence order, uh, the court security people have a way. They have different exits for you to get out. They can spirit you away. So ask for help. Um, you'll find on nearly all of the forms uh, somewhere to say there'll be a mark or place you can say, I don't feel safe, and that, that will trigger uh, the court's processes depending what court you're in. Okay. So usually, so in summary, it's staggered start times, staggered leave times, a safe room uh, for you to be in and a different exit Um to to get you out safely okay that's that's Mm. good so that's comforting to know that you can go and feel safe Uh, when you're in the courtroom there's going to be times when the judge is going to want to ask or the lawyer is going to want to ask you some questions um, based on what you've told in uh, your affidavit or your your summary of the reasons why Um, and you you have to sit in a witness box um what how do you how 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 do people cope with that with the with those kind of questions being asked obviously personal and maybe sometimes embarrassing or you know just traumatizing in general because you're reliving it in front of a judge person in his fancy outfit and stranger lawyers and you know your ex-partner how how do people cope with that I don't know I don't know how they cope. I can give a few practical tips. Perfect. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So bring, when you go to court that morning, you're going to be sick in the tummy. You're not going to want to eat. Bring something to eat. Force yourself to have something. Uh, Before you go into the witness box, go and have a wee. (laughs) Make sure you're comfortable. Okay. Wear comfortable clothes. Uh, When you're called up to the witness box uh, and you're sitting there, it's, it's scary. I've been there. Uh, you're you're at a position you've got the judge on usually your left or your right just closer to you and then you've got 
perhaps a barrister in a robe um, asking questions, it's freaky. So plant your feet firmly on the floor uh, and just and compose yourself. When you're asked a question, take a breath, listen to the question and, and answer it truthfully if you can. Uh, if you need to, to take a break, just ask your lawyer to, for a break. They will normally tell you if you need some time out let me know and you can stand down. Um, I think it's going to, it's probably the most awful experience that you can be through. It. I, I'm really sorry for people who have to do it. On the other hand, though, it's quite empowering, uh, I've been told, to look that person in the eye who thought it was all done in shadows, who never thought you would stand up to them, a little bit like the mouse that roared, mm-hmm. and you get to have your, and, and you know, some people uh, need to see their counsellor before and even after. Hmm. Um, They've given evidence at some some courts. I know the Queensland courts will allow you to have a support person with you. Uh, there are laws in and sit you in, with you in the witness box too. Sit with you in the witness box. Yes. Yeah. And there are laws in Queensland now uh, that mean that if your partner ex partner is not represented then he can't he can't ask you any questions he has to have a lawyer okay and legal aid will provide that lawyer so uh, the court in in its own way is trying not to re-traumatize a person who's been abused mm. uh, through the court process but it's just scary and I'm really I don't know how people cope and you know I was <laughs> say you cup of tea and pavlova afterwards and you're going to be a wreck for the next two or three days because the emotional tension. Um, Just remember, though, that these, you know what happened. You and your heart know what happened and so does the person that did it to you. Mm. Uh, Whatever the outcome of the hearing, you've spoken your truth, you know. So in saying Um, that for the outcome of the hearing, um, I've been told uh, and some of my friends have done uh, things that they they could do before trial uh, and leading up to this scary experience that can help them to basically get get make sure that they do get the protection order and the judge does agree to it Um, things like keeping a diary uh, writing down you know what they, what they've done on what day, um, what what kind of other things can people do if they're listening now? Yep. Guys, everyone listening now, the best thing is to record it on your phone. Ooh. Take a video of it. it it's time-stamped. The courts have facilities to replay um, anything. Uh, it's an amazing protection for you. You can record quietly in Queensland um, I don't know the other states have this same law, uh, but in Queensland, if you are one of the people in a conversation, you're allowed to record the conversation. So you turn your phone on record, leave it in your pocket or film it. Uh, it's it's the best evidence really. Um, of course, your diaries and your notes uh, are, are not independent evidence. And the trouble with domestic violence is it always occurs in private in the shadows, in the dark, where no one can see, behind the bedroom door. And it does often become your word against his. Uh, so, so how do, how do people usually, you know, I think, like you said, it, it does become a, a, your word against his because a lot of these people, they've never told anybody any of it, uh, you know, for all the reasons we've discussed. So they keep it quiet. They di- Sometimes they don't even realise until later, oh, my goodness, 
what was why was I allowing that to happen? So if it does come to court and they haven't got a recording, you know, are you saying basically that, that there's not much hope to get a protection order? Oh, no, I'm not saying that. No, okay, no. Good. If, if, you split, if you split up and those behaviours stay with your ex and in the marriage and they cease because you've stood up for yourself, you've walked out and it's peaceful, okay, then you might not need a domestic violence order. Okay. However, it, it, they, the test in Queensland is it necessary and desirable. But if you've separated from someone, then you will know what constitutes domestic violence. You'll know what's unacceptable. And like you said, Laura, the longer you're away from the relationship, the more time that passes. Uh, I think I heard a very famous person once, um, I won't name her because she's famous in Australia. I mean, this happens to all walks of life, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, but this very, very famous lady said, you know, um, everyone thought we were the perfect couple and uh, it was horrible at home and I put up with it and then she very elegantly said and she said and then one day I just said, well, excuse me, and I left. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and as soon as she had that moment, well, excuse me, and I left, um, well, of course then it stopped because mm. she identified it and, and it didn't happen again. But if you've identified it, left and it's still going on. Well, you know it's unacceptable. Grab your phone, take a relative or, or an independent witness, um, text messages. People give a lot away in text messages and Facebook. I mean, it's in the old days, I mean, the, this, uh, the Domestic Violence Act that I started out um, using was, was 1989 uh, um, and it, it was really – it was really if you didn't have any evidence of it, well, you know, it's your word against his. But these days there's almost always some collaborative um, evidence that you can put up to the court. Okay. All right. Well, I know we've hardly even scratched the surface of DB. We've literally uh-huh. just covered the basic outline. Um, we haven't even gotten to the, you know, the bait like the the nitty-gritty but um we're gonna have to stop it there i think we might need to do a part two um now that we've got the overscope um but i think it's really important for anybody who is listening uh, you're not alone the government is very aware of domestic violence you know um there are a lot of support services available for you out there um, and as mum has mentioned, you need to consider whether you need one or not or whether it's going to make the situation worse or whether you've left your partner and, and the, the violence has now ceased and you don't need to worry about it. Um, but if you are in a controlling, manipulative divorce, you've already left and they're still doing the stuff that they were doing before and you cannot escape it, this is you know important for you to, if it's safe for you, to put your foot down and say enough is enough. I want this protection and that there will be more consequences for that ex going forwards mm-hmm. um, if they do break the rules and step out of line. And that it, it's, it takes a lot of guts, as we said, because going to court is scary and sitting out there and telling your story and, and answering questions that are bamming at you from, you know, some old man in a robe, it's very hard to, you know, keep your strength and, but you've just got to remind yourself that 
you know, you're doing this for the better of everybody in your family or yourself so that you can have a better life. And if it takes, you know, one day in court of feeling horrible and facing dread to save, you know, the next however many years, we haven't even talked about how long uh, protection order lasts, but we'll discuss that later uh, in part two. But it, it can really make all the difference and you need, just need to make sure it's the right fit for you. Um, and, you know, we will obviously be helping you through that in our divorce course program. Uh, we will have the steps and stages and, and the videos to help you. I'll put links in the show notes to how to apply. The government actually does have a video on how to fill it in. Um, so we'll put that in as well. But thank you, Mum, for talking us through those really, it's a tricky subject that a lot of people don't want to talk about and there really isn't mm-hmm. that much out there uh, legally for people to read or listen to. So I think this is a good new medium for people who don't want to trawl through yeah. websites and, um, you know, and, and it can happen to anybody. That's, you know, do not be ashamed. Oh. Do not be ashamed if this is happening to you. It doesn't mean anything. It's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on them, you know, and I think. Yep. Um, and it, it's, it, Rose, it, Laura, it's the nice people. It's the lovely women who put up with their shit. Yeah. It's, it, if you were not such a lovely person, you'd have left at the first sign of trouble. But really lovely people, um, my ladies, anyone listening out there, Really lovely people give the benefit of the doubt, they forgive, they start again, they keep trying, and you are a really lovely person. But at some point it's toxic. It's toxic to you and it's toxic to the kids. And if your gut says this is very dangerous and something might happen to me, follow your gut uh, because those women who were killed uh, by their violent partners they usually have said something to someone in the family before it happens mm. or some friend. So follow your gut. Where's the harm if you if you get out and go somewhere safe, um, then you, you've got uh, that's the best option possible, not just for you but for the children and for the children's father. Mm. No. And, and in saying that, it, the roles can be reversed. It can be, and we've discussed this before, it can be mm. violence of women against men. Um, but like you said, it's only 20% or that. So, yes, no, it's, hardly it, it's really yeah. important to, yeah, just be aware that you trust your gut because your gut usually is right. And, you know, you don't want to make a mistake on this, you know. So, um, this is worth it worth it to listen to your instincts and and follow your gut particularly if there's children involved as well but um uh we will discuss uh, in part two uh all the pros that the process that you can go through um the people that you can contact for emergency housing so if you need to get out quick where you can go um, we can talk about victims assist that gives you uh help financially um if you need money um, to get you through it and we can talk about legal aid and the process as well. But thank you so much for listening and um, uh, Mum and I are here for you, all the listeners. We're hoping <laughs> we that are. this helps and uh, hopefully going forward um, we will be out of this COVID situation and we'll all be back to normal and we'll be able to do yeah. this podcast together. <laughs> 
Um, thank you all. <laughs> so a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all. So too, and and this is it is topic that's pretty um, horrible to do. So, uh, but thank yeah. you to all those people that have re- reviewed and rated us. It's it's really boosted. I'm, Mum and I are still in shock that we're we're up there in the ratings yeah. at all. <laughs> um, but I know that because this is so helpful for people, it, it you know it it's free legal. Um, it's not advice, obviously, because you need to. You, everyone's situation is individual and it's unique as a fingerprint, as Mum has said before. But it, you know, it's yeah. it's giving you a little bit more of insight into what you need to know. And thank you to those people who have rated and reviewed us because it's helped us get that message out to more people. So please, if yeah. you have the time, please. Uh, give us a rating, or a, and if you write a review, that is even better. Um, obviously, use a uh, fake name. So, yes. yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, and we'll talk about uh, uh, that in our domestic violence uh, podcast episode uh, part two. But thanks, Mum, for dropping by. Thanks, Thank guys. you, Laura. Thanks, Bye, listeners. everyone. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording in 2020.